We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into a bonus episode of the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. You know, the Lakers got this big win against the Chicago Bulls, and this happened last night. So now I've kind of had an opportunity to digest the win a little bit, think through some things that we that we saw happen in that game. And uh, it's not giving me necessarily a, a completely different perspective, but I did have a few other thoughts that I think are worth getting into. We also had a lot of uh, questions and comments coming in from that one. So I will go through the mailbag a bit here today, but I want to start off talking about the Lakers and that starting lineup. And I thought it looked phenomenal. And that's what the stats bear out as well. I mean, look, the Lakers with with LeBron on the floor, AD, of course, that's going to be the backbone of any starting five. But then you've got Jared Vanderbilt, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell. That's the starting five. And I think that really should be your starting five moving forward. Maybe even your closing five for most matchups with maybe some situations calling for Vando to be subbed out for like a, a Rui Hachimura or perhaps even Wenyan Gabriel if the situation calls upon it. But for the most part, I think that starting group, that's probably your best group. That's probably your best five players that you can put on the floor. And really, that's a hell of a starting five. I mean, that that is a tremendous group that can do just about anything out there on the floor. And I think we saw that. That's what really stood out to me. Going through, re-watching uh, most of this game, what really stood out about the starting five that we saw was how diverse the offense looked. It seemed like every time the Bulls shut down one action, the Lakers had at least one or two other options to instantly turn to. It was very rare that we saw them kind of get stuck. We see this sometimes from, from this Lakers team and NBA teams in general, where their offense just looks like they're out of ideas, like they can't figure out exactly what to do. And out of that specific starting group, now it didn't look the same when the group when the groupings changed, but with that starting group, it felt like even if the Bulls shut off what it was that LeBron was trying to do. It was one pass away from the ball being in the hands of Austin Reeves, who was then attacking and adjusting on the fly. He's great at that, by the way. He's been really good at reading the defense, seeing what they take away, and then exploiting what they don't take away. He's been great at that. And then you've got D'Angelo Russell, who also has that ability. Or Anthony Davis, you get him the ball in the post, let people cut off of him. Even Jared Vanderbilt, I thought, was doing a great job just kind of being sneaky out there. No, he's not going to be much of a threat on the offensive end, but he did hit two of three from, from behind the arc. So when the Bulls left him behind the three-point line in the corners, he was able to make them pay. Now, I don't expect him to do that every single time. I looked at this stat last night. Vando has shot over 83 pointers on the season, 
And of those, only seven have come from somewhere other than the corner. He is shooting only corner threes, essentially. That's all he's shooting right now is corner threes. That's the only three-point attempts that, that he takes, and he's only shooting 30% from deep on the season. So that's not great. I mean, if Vando ever can become even a 35% shooter from three, knowing that he only shoots corner threes, that would be a big deal for his game. So I'm not expecting him to go two for three every single night for the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't think that's going to be the case. But And so that's going to be something for that starting five to kind of deal with, right? Teams are going to leave him behind the arc, and they're going to defend the other guys. But just the ball movement was really impressive with that group. I thought there was just an instant synergy and chemistry, and perhaps that that is just inherent when you have a group that has so many players that can create for themselves or create for other people that there's just a natural flow to it. Now, unfortunately, there was a downside to this as well, though, and we saw that with the bench unit. And even on paper, if you think of a bench unit, and we, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Darvin Ham's hockey-style line changes that we saw, the rotation pattern that just w- was a bit confusing. But that said, Dennis Schroeder, Troy Brown, Malik Beasley, Rui Hachimura, and then you sprinkle in some Wendy Gabriel, that as your bench unit, just looking at it on paper, it screams offensive struggles, right? Not that Rui can't score the basketball or Troy Brown can't score the basketball or Beasley can't get hot from three. They certainly can. The problem is these are all guys, like we talk about the starting unit and how so many guys can read and react and attack and and set up other players or score themselves. You've got so many different options. The bench unit doesn't have that. Who is setting the table for these guys? Because Beasley needs somebody to set him up from three. And we'll talk more about him in a bit. Same thing with Troy Brown. Rui Hachimura is at his best when he's attacking closeouts. Well, you're not going to get to attack closeouts unless you have somebody who's driving and kicking. So that puts a lot of pressure on Dennis Schroeder to be that guy, to be the engine of the bench unit. The problem is that's not really what Dennis is either. If we look at the Lakers, who are their their four main initiators on the offensive end? It's LeBron, it's D'Lo, it's Austin Reeves, and Dennis Schroeder. Now, of those four, I think that Dennis is actually probably the least capable of being the guy to set up teammates. And I'm not trying to say anything negative about Dennis Schroeder here. It's just not what he is as a player. He is best as a score-first guy. It's what he does. In fact, if you wanted me to rank those players, I think LeBron is probably the best in terms of setting up other players. And then it's Austin. It's Austin Reeves who's right there as well as an, an initiator because of the way he, he reads the floor. And then D'Angelo Russell is right there. But When I'm looking at that bench unit, it's screaming for another creator, screaming for someone else who can get themselves into the paint, read the floor, and then make the correct decision. I don't know that that can be Dennis on a consistent basis. To ask him to be the engine for that bench unit, it's probably asking him to do too much, particularly when I don't think you have enough guys out there or anyone out there, really, who can be a secondary creator. Look, Rui had a fantastic pass on a lob to AD. It was it was brilliant, but he's not going to do that every single night. Troy Brown, over the course of the season, has occasionally had these moments where you went, whoa, that was a great pass from Troy Brown, but we're talking about he'll do that every four games, something like that. He's not going to be a consistent initiator, consistent ball mover. On the offensive end, instead, what he's going to do is be a spot-up 3-and-D shooter. That's that's what he does, and that's fine. The Lakers need that. There's no question. But when I look at that bench unit, it's an issue. And then for Darvin Ham, you've got a balancing act because we talk about how great the starting five looked because it really did. 
It was fantastic. And you want those guys to spend the bulk of their time on the floor together, right? To maximize that synergy that those five players seem to have. Now, it was just one game. And so we'll see. Teams will adjust to things that that starting five was do was doing. They're going to have to adjust to those adjustments. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is the best starting five in the Western Conference or something like that. We have a ways to go. But it looked really good so far. At the same time, though, I think you need to give that bench unit a little bit of help. Now, I've seen some people suggesting, well, bench Austin, bring Austin back off the bench, let him play with Dennis Schroeder, and then you move Troy Brown into the starting lineup as your two and run him next to D'Angelo Russell and let him be a 3 and D-style floor spacer alongside D'Lo, LeBron, AD, and Vando. And I'm not in favor of, of doing that. What I am in favor of, though, is switching up the rotation a bit. What I'd like to see is, and maybe Darwin will make this correction because I think that bench unit, on paper, it's it's screaming for another creator. And then on the floor, we saw it. I, I mean, just absolutely screaming for some sort of player who can create something for you, even as a secondary attacker. So if Dennis drives a little bit, gets shut off, you have somebody else who can get the ball and do something with it. So I think what you need to do is you need to operate under a rule of those four creators. None of them should ever be on the floor without at least one of the others. Without at least one of the others. And I honestly think that Schroeder is probably at his best when he's playing with Austin or playing with LeBron as the other creator that's on the floor. And really, if either one of those players is on the floor, Schroeder is probably the secondary creator over D'Lo. But I think D'Lo can kind of check the box as well. So I think that's a rule that Darvin Ham needs to set with his rotations, that he finds a way to make that happen, that you can't have Dennis Schroeder be your lone creator out there. And maybe you can get some minutes with LeBron as the only creator. You may even be able to get by with Austin. But when you've got four guys like this who can all create to varying degrees, why not capitalize on that, particularly because they can make defenses pay for overplaying any particular one of them? We saw it a few times last night where uh, LeBron got cut off on initial action, kicked out, quick swing from Austin Reeves, and then hits a, a shooter in a corner or something like that. There were a number of moments like that where the Bulls thought they had the Lakers stopped, but because they had so much creation ability on the floor, in addition to shooting with that starting unit, um, they, they couldn't shut down all of the options the Lakers had. I think you have to give that bench unit a little bit of a boost by inserting Austin Reeves, inserting uh, LeBron, inserting... Uh, D'Lo, somebody who can be another creator with that group. So they're not just kind of hung out to dry on the offensive end because we saw it. How many times did the Lakers wind up taking bad shots on the offensive end? And that was what was going in transition and creates all sorts of problems. Offense and defense, incredibly linked. Uh, as much as we can think of them as two separate things, they're not. They, they directly lead into each other. And so I think it's going to be important that the Lakers figure out what they need to do to get that second unit going, because otherwise we're going to continue to see situations where the offense does a great job. I'm sorry, the starters do a great job, but then the bench unit gives up everything and, and sometimes more. And so that's going to be a concern for Darvin Ham and the Lakers. Something to keep an eye on moving forward. And uh, it's something where I think you can do it just with rotational tweaks. You can find ways to make it happen. Now, I also want to talk a bit about Malik Beasley. I have a feeling, though, that he's going to come up in some of the Super Chat questions. I haven't gone through all of these at this point, but let's dive into them. Here we go, Mailbag. 
Jason said, I like Rui over Vando to start because of spacing. Now, I like Rui a lot. I think that Rui has done some good things. I didn't think benching him a couple of games ago was the correct decision to make. Uh, I don't know if I'm starting him over Vando, though, because I think, well, yes, your spacing gets better with Rui on the floor. I also think part of what Rui brings is the ability to throw him the ball late in the clock and say, go get us a good shot, and he can do that for you. And I think that's more valuable with the bench unit because you already have a number of players who can do that, right? I mean, Austin can do it. Of course, AD can do it. LeBron can do it. Uh, even you know, D'Lo can, can do it as well. So yeah, I think you already kind of have that skill set with the starting unit. And Vando, I like that with everybody else that can do so many different things on the offensive and defensive end of the floor in that starting five, I like that you can tell Vando, hey, just do everything else. Just do all the other little things that might fall through the cracks, you get to be that guy. You get to be the guy who takes on the, the toughest defensive assignment. You can get to be the guy who sneaks along the baseline in the, in the dunker spot and get, can get an open look there. You get to be the guy um, who's going to be everywhere all over the floor uh, on both ends. That I kind of like that, that he doesn't necessarily have to do anything in particular for for the Lakers he can be extremely flexible and versatile in his role with that starting five so I like that for Jared Vanderbilt I do like Rui as well and I think that you could maybe close with Rui in some matchups but I kind of like Vando in the starting five despite the floor spacing concerns because frankly look Rui is is just fine as a three-point shooter certainly better than than Vando but I don't know that teams respect him a ton either now maybe you get the defender to take another extra couple of steps towards the three-point line if it's Rui standing out there instead of Vando but and, and that can indeed make all the difference that can be a big deal but it's also not like teams are staying glued to Rui either behind the arc uh, mom mentality ham remember facts over feelings won't say who but we need to stop feeling for someone's 16 million dollar situation clearly should have been odd man out every time he was on the floor our lead depleted Okay, so clearly Mamba Mentality is talking about Malik Beasley, who was not good against the Bulls, uh, had the, the worst plus-minus of the night for the Lakers, had four turnovers in 10 minutes. Um, it was not good. Did not hit a shot. By the way, the, the Lakers bench unit, 0 for 7 from 3. Not a single bench player hit a 3 for the Lakers. Uh, Beasley just 0 for 1 from behind the arc, was not able to knock down his one attempt, and again, only 10 minutes of play. So that brings us to a bigger question for the bench. Are the Lakers going to stick with a 10-man rotation? During the playoffs, the answer is no. It's just, it's not going to happen. Teams don't do that come playoff time. So I wonder, you already have right now, and Mo is not healthy at the moment, so maybe he gets factored into the mix at some point, but right now, you've got Dennis, Beasley, Troy Brown, Rui, and Wenyon as your bench five. That's not a given that NBA teams are going to have a full five-man bench unit. It's not a given. So as much as people say it should be Lonnie getting those minutes, what if it's neither of them? Like, that's another thing that I was thinking about after the game, after we got through the post-game show, was does it have to be either Lonnie or Malik? Does it have to be either of those guys? Or can it be neither of them? And then your bench unit is... Troy Brown, Rui Hachimura. So you've got wings there. You've got a guard and Dennis Schroeder. And then you've got a big and Wendy and Gabriel. And then you mix and match some starters around those guys. And then doesn't that propel you even further towards this idea of not having line changes, hockey style, 
mid-game where four guys sub out and sub in at the same time? I think that would be ideal for the Lakers. And again, I, I'm not even out of that bench unit. If you're putting those four guys on the floor, that other guy, your fifth guy, if it's Dennis, if it's uh, Dennis, Rui, Troy, and Wenyan, then the other guy needs to be somebody who has some creation abilities, whether it's Austin, LeBron, or, or D'Lo. Needs to be one of those guys. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maybe that's where we're at. Maybe. I mean, look, Lonnie's done some good things. I'm not saying that he's definitely out of the rotation. And maybe he should get another look over Malik. But I don't think it's a. it has to be either one of them. If neither of them is getting it done, I don't think you have to have either of them out there. Now, I will say this. Malik Beasley, what he does could be massively beneficial for the Lakers. If he gets hot again at some point, if he gets it going, having a guy who could come in, even if it's off the bench, and could give you I don't know, three for six shooting from three or something like that on any given night, four for six on a, on a night when he's really feeling it. That's massive. That's huge. And then you look at that bench unit, you look at the floor spacing and what that might mean for them. That, that could be a really big deal for the Lakers. So this certainly isn't the hope. It's not, hey, let's move forward with a nine-man rotation because Beasley's not that good anyway, so just get him out. Now the hope is that shooters go through ebbs and flows and that a hot streak is coming. And when that hot streak comes, the Lakers could really use what he can do from behind the three-point line. Unfortunately, he just hasn't done it a lot for the team this season. So, again, if he continues to struggle, I understand fans who are saying, look, there's no time for this. You're right. There's not. There's not. You've got the – I've said this like about five games so far, but it's the biggest game of the season coming up tomorrow against the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a must-win. If you get away, If you get a win in that one, you are the seventh seed in the Western Conference, which means not only would you be in single elimination situation for the play-in tournament, you'd also be at home for game one of the play-in tournament. Win and you're in. Um, I'm sorry, I mean double elimination for the play-in tournament. It means you have two opportunities to win one game. Um, so yeah, there's a lot on the line here. And you don't really have time for Beasley 
to shoot his way back into a rhythm. You got to hope he finds it. And if he does, great. And if he doesn't, maybe we just see a nine-man rotation. Maybe that's what they go with instead of either Beasley or Lonnie. Ivan said, first playback win. Woo! Yeah, Ivan, if you, if you joined us over on playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation, thank you for, for joining us on that. Always fun on that. Always fun when the Lakers. By the way, I am going to be on AMP tonight at 7.30 Pacific time. Uh, so I'll put the link down below in the description on the YouTube channel. Uh, I'll be over there taking calls. So if you want to call into the show and talk Lakers basketball with me, that's the way to do it. I'll put the link to uh, to our our AMP page there on uh, on the uh, the description over on YouTube. So come join me tonight, 7.30 Pacific time. We'll do uh, an AMP show. We'll keep a little eye on Dodger baseball as well. Speaking of which, if you're not doing so already, have, go subscribe to Dodger Blue at Dodger Blue 1958 over on Twitter. Check out the Dodger Blue YouTube channel, the Dodger, Dodger Blue podcast. They do a fantastic job. And of course, today is opening day for Major League Baseball. The Dodgers getting things going. Rob says, does Rui get enough minutes to want to return? Well, he's a restricted free agent. So that makes things a bit complicated. Even if Rui is frustrated with his minutes, he has to get another team to give him a big offer. And then the Lakers can match that offer if they want. So Rui might've been frustrated that he was benched last game or two games ago, and he should be, and he shouldn't have been benched. He should be frustrated and he should not have been benched in that game. Uh, does he get enough minutes to want to return? It's not entirely up to him. He's going to be a restricted free agent. The Lakers gave up three second round picks to get him. I believe for a reason. I think they like him. It didn't make sense to bench him. I think he's a good player. I like Rui. I don't think that he's somebody that you want to let go. He's a wing in his mid-20s who has the ability to score from the mid-range. He's 6'8", has a 7'2 wingspan. Is he a perfect player? No. He leaves a lot to be desired at the rim. He's not the quickest-footed player out there in terms of lateral movement for defense. He's not a great three-point shooter, but he does enough things that you need that I think he's definitely worth hanging on to. So Rui could be frustrated with the situation. I, I We haven't heard anything specifically from him about that, so I don't want to just assume that he is. But even if he is, the Lakers can make him a restricted free agent, and they're in the driver's seat here to hang on to him. Super dope hip-hop. People saying the Lakers would be better without LeBron, our haters and casuals for sure, but also just don't understand how it happens. Golden State Warriors, five weeks straight with no stress no stuff then three straight losses when he came back yeah that, that's a great way to sum it up people were frustrated when the lakers lost to the bulls people were running around trying, because there's lebron haters out there because there's lebron haters right who are going to say who are, are going to say oh lebron's ruining the lakers get him off the see they're better without him and people who are looking for evidence of lebron equals bad right that's that's what they want to prove lebron is bad and the game LeBron comes back, you lose to the Bulls. And so people are going to grab that and they're going to run up the, the mountaintop with it and say, look, 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 see, LeBron's bad. I'm right. That's hot take culture right now. Super dope hip hop here is absolutely correct. There's an adjustment period, a reacclimation period to LeBron James being on the floor. That's going to happen. Last night against the Bulls, it looked much better. It looked like they'd figured out a lot of stuff. Things looked very smooth. The starting unit was fantastic. That's just what happens when you have high usage players come back into the lineup. It takes time to develop that rhythm. And we talked about it going in that there were going to be some speed bumps, but ultimately if the Lakers are going to get where they want to go, you need LeBron on the floor because their ceiling well, in their floor too, 
are simply much higher if you've got LeBron out there. Even if that means that, uh-oh, now we have to make an adjustment and sometimes there can be some hiccups in that adjustment, you still gladly do it because he's LeBron James. You absolutely do that. So you can't run around saying, oh, the Lakers are better without LeBron. No, the Lakers aren't going anywhere in the playoffs without LeBron. You gladly go through the trials and tribulations of adjusting to LeBron's presence on the floor because at the end of it, you get LeBron James and ideally get into you know, the postseason and you can go make some noise. Maddie James, Russ 35 tonight and made four threes. Outlier or not? Yeah, outlier. Of course, outlier. And look, credit to, to Russell Westbrook. I have no ill will whatsoever. I wish Russell Westbrook was w- with some other team than the Clippers so I could like fully get and really, you know, root for Russell Westbrook. Um, but yeah, it's an, it's an outlier. I mean, we've got a long history of Russell Westbrook uh, not being a great three-point shooter, not going for 30, not being a highly efficient scorer. And he was in, in that game for the Clippers against Memphis. So credit to him. He was great that game. It's not what history has showed us. He always is. But in that game, the Clippers needed Russell Westbrook to step up. No Kawhi, no Paul George. And he did indeed. Credit to him for that one. Credit to him for sure. Take nothing away from him. He did a fantastic job. But yes, I mean, if you look at the past few seasons of Russell Westbrook, that game would stand out as an outlier. Again, I'm not trying to say anything negative about Russ. Just that's the way it is. Uh, Timmy bought my dream car 2023 Supra today, but the Lakers win. And this live is the best part of the day. Hashtag Beverly too small. Well, thank you, Timmy. Congrats on the new car. And I'm glad you were able to join our live show. Ermias said, I will be at the Minnesota game. And the last time I was at a Braun game, they won the chip. Uh, Braun about to do it again. I sure hope you're right. I sure hope you're right. And that the Lakers, wouldn't that be an incredible story? for the Lakers to turn their entire season around at the trade deadline and then go on to win a championship. Oh my goodness. How incredible would that be? Uh, again, we have a long, long, long way to go to get there. And that's not what I would be predicting happens, but what an incredible story that would certainly be. Um, the Minnesota game. I, whew, It's a tough matchup. It's a very tough matchup. If you look, you know, heading into the bulls game, I talked a lot about how it was important that the Lakers establish themselves in the paint that they are able to uh, dominate the Bulls with just their, the size advantage they were going to have. You look at the Bulls are starting DeMar DeRozan at the four, Zach Levine at the three, the Lakers have Vando, the Lakers have LeBron, in addition to Anthony Davis, and how the Lakers needed to crush the Bulls in the paint. And they did just that. They did. They were fantastic. They hit the offensive glass, had 16 offensive rebounds. They were great. Um, the Wolves, man, all the little things are going to matter a ton in this game. The Lakers' three-point percentage is going to matter a lot. Turnovers. The Wolves are a good team at forcing turnovers. Do the Lakers hang on to the ball or not? Like the, the game may be won or lost in one or two turnovers, right? Can they hang on to the ball or not? If they turn it over a lot, could be a long night. This Wolves team has all the kinds of players that tend to give the Lakers problems. And I'm talking about size in the paint, big lanky wings to defend there. You've got a lot of challenges to face when you're dealing with with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So it's not going to be an easy game. Just looking at schematically, how do you beat the Wolves in particular? Like if they get a strong defensive performance on the interior and on the glass from Towns and Gobert, and they get a good offensive outing from Anthony Edwards, they're really tough to beat. Really tough. The Lakers aren't going to have a size advantage. In fact, they might be at a disadvantage when you look at 
what Vando having to defend Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe it's LeBron defending Towns and you put Vando on Edwards, I guess. Maybe you go that route. Um, man, it is not going to be an easy game. It's not going to be an easy game. That's for sure. Not saying the Lakers can't get it done. I think they absolutely can. I don't think the Wolves are like the best team in the NBA or anything, but just in terms of the matchup, it's not an easy matchup for the Lakers. They've got a lot of size to defend the Lakers with. They do a really nice job on the, on the glass. They've got uh, lanky defensive players. I mean, you've got slow-mo coming off the bench, Kyle Anderson. He's been, been tremendous as well. Yeah. It's going to be a difficult one. It's going to be a battle uh, against Minnesota. Basher said, Darvin Ham will cost us a playoff series, period. Well, I um, I hope not, but it's not all good with Darvin. You know, we, we see mistakes frequently. Again, the hockey style line changes last game, but I did think he made some positive adjustments as well. Face reality, Darvin Ham is always itching his neck in the post-game interview. I mean, maybe it's just a nervous thing, right? Like, You've got a room full of people staring at you, waiting for you to answer a question. I don't know. I'm not going to... I, maybe if he was doing it playing cards or something, like if that is, that's his tell in poker, then it'd be something to notice. Nico, that Lakers-Wolves game will be a dogfight. Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly what I was saying. Hopefully the Lakers will come out with more aggressiveness. Bench needs to bounce back, especially Malik. Yeah, I mean, hey, if there was ever a moment for Malik... Uh, Beasley to have his bounce back game wouldn't it be as a former Timberwolf against his old team right Vando D'Lo Beasley all three former Wolves now's the time to show out now's the time prominent surge I knew once D'Lo was coming back to the starting lineup the team would be better and Rui would play great win to start off the road trip Pat Bev is too small via Austin Reeves yeah D'Lo coming back in the starting lineup provided that much more floor spacing teams don't worry quite as much about Dennis behind the three-point line, as they do with D'Lo. Created a lot more spacing, more scoring. I like D'Lo and Austin next to each other, backcourt of the future, because both of them can handle the ball. And I love the way they shared the initiator responsibilities, as well as with LeBron. It looked really good. It didn't feel like any one player was like the guy that was supposed to set the table for everybody else. Everybody was sharing the responsibilities. And it looked really good. And, and it, I think it really... it highlights D'Angelo Russell's ability to play on or off the ball. And the same with Austin Reeves. They both, and that's not an easy thing to find. They both are extremely capable in that regard. And having them next to each other just amplifies that because either one of them can initiate the offense and it doesn't really matter which one. And then you've got LeBron on the floor too. It, it was a thing of beauty. Ricondo. So master lock Ham and Beasley, a bunch of bad plays by Bees and Ham crazy lineup subbing the entire bench at once. I ended up master locking uh, Kobe White for the uh, elbow to Anthony Davis's nether regions, which I felt was well-deserved. But yeah, and again, I thought Darvin Ham made some good adjustments in this game. But you're right. One of the bad things was the substitution pattern. And we already talked a bit about Beasley. Davion Nelson signed another big before Friday. Yeah, I'm a little worried about the Wolves' front line. Even Nas Reed off the bench can give you stuff uh, for Minnesota. That's a concern. Lonnie needs minutes over Beasley and Troy. I don't know if I would say over Troy. Troy didn't have a great game, but Troy's been pretty good overall. Uh, he shot the three ball extremely well. He's been better than 40% from three. And he didn't have a good game against the Bulls. Perhaps that's an adjustment to coming off the bench. Like that's a, a big change. So maybe that's something there. But Lonnie over Beasley, 
you can make that argument now. I think we're kind of at that point. And again, I brought up before, does it have to be either of them? Might not. One of Reeves, Odilo, or Braun needs to be on the floor at all times. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. If you don't, That's another way to look at the way or to say what I've been saying, that it shouldn't be Dennis as the lone initiator on the floor. He needs somebody else with him. That needs to be just a rule that at least one of those guys needs to be on the floor with him. Uh, oh, 12 DeLorean. Master lock, whites, foul on ADs. Yep. King JC, was Pat Bev a spoon or a fork tonight? Well, let's see. So Patrick Beverly on the night did not have a good performance at all. He was indeed too small. Patrick Beverly was a game worst minus 32 in plus minus. Played 25 minutes, 0 for 5 shooting, 2 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block, 1 turnover. Minus 32 for Patrick Beverly. So was he a spoon or a fork? I don't Maybe he was like kind of a spork, which is kind of in between and not really all that useful, period. And you're trying to eat steak with it. Like, I think that's that's what the analogy is, right? Pat Bev, he was neither spoon nor fork. He was kind of in between that wasn't really useful in, in either way. It, because Pat, by the way, we're going down this road because Pat had that conversation about Darvin Ham, about the Lakers, how they were using him incorrectly and, and all of that. And he used the analogy of a spoon and a fork. Um, yeah, he was, he was a spork and you've got a big, thick steak where, I mean, you know, it's just going to snap. That was Patrick Beverly, uh, against the Lakers in this go round. Rocky said, you need a chick Hearn Lakers win button, Trevor. Oh, I like that. That's a good idea. Shout out to my brother, Augustine Delgado in Colton, California. Lucas said, this team is a breath of fresh air. Excited to see what they can do in the postseason and next season. Thanks, Trevor and Sean. Sean was on the live show with me last night. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because the Lakers lost to the Bulls last game and the sky was falling. So many people were angry and upset and down and, and all of that. And they win and suddenly this team's a breath of fresh air again. But you look, in the last five games, they've won four. LeBron came back early. Like overall, things are looking up. They might lose to Minnesota. My goal for this team has been to go five and two over the final seven games. They're one to zero right now. We'll see what they finish up. But this team is much better, significantly better than they were prior to the trade deadline. Even with Beasley struggling, the pieces they've added, the way the roster has been kind of, um, it's been evened out. You now have a roster that makes sense, and it's just. It's much easier to watch this team play now. That's for sure. Face reality, Lonnie Walker getting screwed over big time. I mean, you can make the argument that Lonnie should be getting minutes right now. I don't I don't think Lonnie is necessarily the solution for everything, but Beasley's not doing a lot to say that he should be the one getting minutes. M. Dredd, Braun's letting the ball pop, knows he has the help. Yeah, the, the ball movement was great, and I think that's important for LeBron too, that he doesn't have to push down on the gas pedal every single offensive uh, offensive possession. He is still recovering from that injury. He was questionable going into that game last night. Had to go through a pregame warm before they knew if he was going to play. That's probably going to linger all season and into the postseason. So it's important that LeBron doesn't have to exert himself every single possession. Maddie James, I understand wanting to stay hopeful for Beasley, but with it so dire to get into the playoffs right now, can't afford to have him out there right now. Yeah, I mean, I still think 
he can be a major benefit once the shot starts falling. And I'm hopeful that's going to come, but I do think it needs to be a pretty, pretty short leash here um, for, for Darvin Ham. If it's clear that he doesn't have it on any given night, those minutes go away. And you know, he only played him 10 minutes uh, against uh, the bulls. So uh, Beasley giving me Pope championship year vibes. So he's going to come back around and start hitting him. All right. Owen Campbell. It's not about his shooting. He just makes bad basketball decisions. His basketball IQ is low. He's like a J.R. Smith. We had we saw some bad turnovers from Beasley. It's an adventure when he decides to, especially on the break, drive into the paint. You just a few times he's dropped the ball out of bounds. Some other times he's made great plays. Uh, you know, kind of contorting himself and making layups and stuff. So there's some good and there's some bad, but there were some bad decisions uh, last night that led to turnovers. I mean, the Lakers. We're struggling with turnovers early on. And at one point it was, I think it was nine to one in turnovers. The Lakers had nine. The Bulls had one. The game finished 15 to 14. The Lakers finally started to turn the Bulls over and that got the game going completely the other direction. But of the Lakers, 15 turnovers, Beasley had four of them. He had four of them in 10 minutes. That's insane. LeBron had four turnovers in 31 minutes. And I guarantee you their usage looks very, very different. It was just a bad night for Beasley. Masterlog Westbrook, five of five from three. Nuara Mamba. I mean, credit to Russ. Look, great for us. He knocked down some shots. I don't think the Lakers are catching the Clippers right now anyway. So I'm not going to worry too much about that. Jordy, rather play Grizzlies or Nuggets in the first round. I think the Nuggets have been the better team on the season, but the Lakers tend to play well against the Nuggets. But the Nuggets are the ones, like it's, it feels wrong to say Denver because Denver is three and a half games up on Memphis. They've been the better team all season. They've been the best team in the West. But I think it might be Denver. I think it might be Denver. I mean, Steven Adams can be an issue for AD. Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. Like Denver has Aaron Gordon, of course, Jokic, but yeah, I think I might rather see Denver for the Lakers just, just because of the matchups. It's close, though. It's close. SK said, too early to give up on Beasley. I agree. Maybe sub him in for Austin Reeves early to get Beasley some easy looks with LeBron. That's not a bad idea, especially if you're going to use Austin to be your guy off the bench with Schroeder to be your initiator. Then you could more easily facilitate that happening. That said, I still want to try to get that group together, that starting five on the floor as much as possible throughout the game. Uh, need to stagger D'Lo, Austin Reeves, LeBron, AD more. Agreed. Derek Jones said, AD played great tonight, but how inconsistent play will cost us down the road. He has to be the reason, the superstar. No more 15-game points, please. 15-point uh, games, please. Yeah, I agree with that. As Sean brought up on our show last night, though, he went through the Lakers' last game against the Bulls the Lakers ran two plays, two, for Anthony Davis against the Bulls the first time around. And he got eight shots. Two actual sets for AD. That is, that's insane. You can't do that. Yes, you have to get more than eight shot attempts for Anthony Davis. Yes, some of that falls on AD, but some of that falls on the coaching too. You can't run two plays for the guy that are two plays designed to get him a look and then say, oh, well, he only got eight shots. Yeah, get, get him looks. Scheme him in, right? He's not LeBron who's going to dribble the ball up the floor. He's not Austin who's going to dribble the ball up the floor or D'Lo who's going to dribble it up. Someone has to give him the ball 
And that might mean running a play where the goal is to get him the ball. Rocket science. Jay Aquino. D'Lo did it too small when he and Austin Reeves dapped each other. Okay. I didn't see that when we were talking about it on the live show. Austin hit the too small. D'Lo apparently hit one too. Joshua. Mo Bamba back on the bench will reduce volatility. Yeah, well, certainly it helps in that you just have a big body to turn to that's not Wenyan. Wenyan is, you know, 6'8", 6'9", 205 pounds. You've got a guy who's a bit bigger, a bit longer for, for certain matchups. I don't think he's an every-night player. I think there's some matchups where Wenyan is the preferred option, but it just depends on the matchup. Twin Cities. One word to describe Darvin Ham's coaching is rudimentary. Rotations, adjustments, turnovers, thoughts on fouling, up three, etc. Sorry to be negative after a big win, but at some point it'll cost us. I do agree as far as the fouling when you're up three. Like, at any point, in my mind, if an offensive player is, is in their half and they turn their back to the basket at any point, they dribble inside the three-point line, you foul them. You foul them and you don't give up the potential three. You play that game because you know they're going to I'm talking about less than 24 seconds left in the game and you know they're going to hunt for the three. Play that game. Why not? I, I agree with that. Darvin Ham says, no, we're going to let him take the shot and we're going to trust that our defense can stop them. Uh, the Lakers defense hasn't been able to do that a few times this season. So, yeah, I understand people. Look, Darvin did not have a great coaching game last night and the line changes were bizarre and most of those really stood out. So people are going to key on that. But again, I thought he also made some good adjustments. There's some good and bad. It needs to be more good and good than bad, though. Certainly come playoff time. Matthew, LeBron, 38 years old with this production, is wild. 100%, you're telling me. 38 and LeBron's doing things that are incredible out there. Um, that that tip-in that he had off the, the missed shot, I think it was from Wenyon, something like that, came flying in. Incredible. Trell, this team wins when AD is one and LeBron is two. And here's the thing about that. I think that's what LeBron wants. And that's what LeBron has wanted for years like, that was the first thing LeBron did when AD arrived with the Lakers was tell management, I want the offense to run through AD. LeBron's been wanting to pass the torch forever. I think the Lakers need to make sure, make an effort to make that happen. Hockey rotations, a must, so starters had more time in the game. Yeah, that is the trade-off, right? Is that you get to leave that specific five, D'Lo, Reeves, LeBron, uh, Vando AD on the floor together longer if you do more of a line change. That's the trade-off. But you got crushed when you did that line change. Crushed. That's the problem. Daniel, master lock silly turnovers. Yeah, they figured it out down the stretch, but turnovers, ooh, those are going to be really important in the Minnesota game. Super dope hip-hop. Ham's best adjustment uh, is LeBron James, and D'Angelo Russell starting over Schroeder and Troy Brown. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's a bit of a no-brainer adjustment. I know. Chad said, try Max over Beast. Max wasn't even there. Max was with the South Bay Lakers. He was not an option in that game. At least he can play defense and shoot the three. Look, I know we tend to think whoever is on the bench, whoever is not playing is going to do a better job than whoever it is that's in the game in that moment because the grass is greener. But, but Max is a rookie. He can do some good things, but I do wonder if there, there's moments where the the situation will be a bit too big for him. I mean, he's he's a very young player. I like him a lot. I'm excited about his future. I can't wait to see what we see in Summer League. But I also understand why Darwin is taking the approach that he is with him. Even if you disagree with it, it is what it is. I don't think it's going to change at this point. I don't think it's. I don't think Max Christie suddenly becomes part of the ro- their rotation. They would have brought him on this road trip if that was going to happen, and they not. They did not. They left him with the South Bay Lakers. Kenneth. Why did uh, Devin, I'm assuming he means Darvin, leave Schroeder on an island for long stretches? Bench turns the ball over against elite defenses. He has to put Austin Reeves and D'Lo to run their own show with the second unit. Hashtag our only weakness. Yeah, I won't rehash because I've talked about this a lot, but I think that's the big adjustment that needs to be made, especially going up against Minnesota, which is a team that's very good at forcing turnovers, getting live ball steals, that sort of thing. By the way, Minnesota's transition defense is fantastic. They do a great job getting back and contesting. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on as well. Anthony Edwards does a good job job tracking back. Man, this is going to be a tough game. This is going to be a tough game against Minnesota on Friday. Ray, uh, I want to live in the dimension where Darvin Ham was pulling a Mr. Miyagi and the hockey lineup change is a secret weapon. Hashtag bench on, bench off. Wouldn't it be great if, if the bench unit came in and were just destroyers of worlds right just came in and tore teams apart and just by you know deploying this bench unit together they have this insane chemistry because they're always on the floor with each other that'd be great but the problem is you you can just see it on paper they don't have the right pieces to be a five-man unit there's interesting players in there where if you sprinkle in a starter or two it it makes a lot more sense but as a five-man unit schroeder beasley troy rui wenyan this is not enough shot creation. It's not. Christopher, if you had to pick between yourself, Sean, or Ron Gutterman to be head coach for the Lakers against Houston, who would you pick and why? Um, I'm not picking Ron because he would be too optimistic that they're just going to just roll the ball out there and we're going to beat this, this Houston team. That was his sense going into the last game, and that did not work out so well. So it's between myself and Sean. I'm going to go Sean because between the two of us, Sean sees the X's and O's on a different level than I do. That's his thing. That's that's Sean's thing. He is great at it. Um, He sees the X's and O's on a different level. So I would trust. I see the game from a bit more of a narrative standpoint, and I can break down X's and O's. Okay. Right. I'm fine at it. Um, I can, I do well with the salary cap stuff. I do well with the roster building stuff with getting pieces to fit together on the floor actually putting those pieces into motion, that's Sean's bread and butter, right? That's that's his wheelhouse. So I would lean Sean. 
in, in this situation because I can read the narrative situation. I can, I kind of read the energy of the team and kind of what needs to happen and, and all of that. And I think I could figure out which lineups need to be on the floor at which time. I think that's where I'd be at my best. But in terms of actually, I want to run this play or that play or the team or the Rockets are doing this, this, and this. And we counter by doing these things uh, by running this specific play. And that's, that's going to be Sean's wheelhouse. So um, I would probably pick him. Emmanuel said, we just need a decent backup. How about Slava Medvedenko? Oh, Slava. He's a little bit busy. Uh, don't laugh. I would bring Mello back. Well, I mean, the Lakers do have an open roster spot, but I have to believe if they were going to bring Mello back, they would have done so already. I've had plenty of opportunity to. Karl Marx said chat GPT would give a better rotation than Darvin Ham. Wow. That's the last, that's, that's our last mailbag question here or comment. People not happy with Darvin Ham. The Lakers won. I thought Ham made some good adjustments from game one to game two against the Bulls. Uh, that was a big question going in was, are we going to see Darvin Ham make the right adjustments? Because come playoff time, that matters. Frank Vogel was great at making game-to-game adjustments in the playoffs. And uh, can Darvin do that? And I thought he did, with the exception of the line changes. But just like we talked about, Russell Westbrook makes loud mistakes. So even if he has a good game, like he might miss a layup and throw a ball into the 10th row. And everybody's upset because those were very loud mistakes. Um, Darvin also makes loud mistakes. I thought he made some really good adjustments in the game. And I look at, okay, you had a problem where the bench unit didn't have enough shot creation. Lo and behold, you start the fourth quarter, there's LeBron and D'Lo in with the bench unit to help with that shot creation. So I thought he even made some good adjustments on the fly. But the loudest thing from the, the coaching standpoint was the hockey style line changes. And it wasn't great. It wasn't great. So... Yeah, I understand people being frustrated with Darvin. And, oh boy, it's going to be a test against Minnesota. Chris Finch is great. And Minnesota just complained about the refs after last game. And ironically, Phoenix, who complained about the refs after getting less free throws than the Lakers did, now got way more free throws than the Wolves did. And now the Wolves are complaining against the refs to go play against the Lakers. We've come full circle here somehow. Um seven degrees of official complaining a la Kevin Bacon or something like that here. But nonetheless, it's going to be a difficult game against the Wolves. If you can find a way to win it, and this is my prediction, is the little things are going to matter. If you have nine turnovers on the night instead of 13 or 12 turnovers instead of 16, right? The offensive glass, can you hit enough threes? Uh, do you get back defensively? Do you force Anthony Edwards into a eight for 20 shooting night instead of eight for 16 shooting night. Those types of things are going to matter a ton. Everything's going to be magnified in this game because it should be a very, very close and very difficult matchup for the Lakers. But if they can get the win seven seed, here we come, at least for the time being down the home stretch of the season, Lakers nation. Give me your thoughts in the comments down below. Again, come join me over on amp seven 30 Pacific time tonight. I'll put the link in the description on the YouTube channel. You can call into the show and talk some Lakers basketball with me till then everybody see ya and stay safe.